request. I always just kind of like to start off with letting you know some of the things that are going on in the local body. Jackie Geyer, some of you know Jackie. She helps with our children's ministry, sits usually in the back there. There she is. Pray for her and her family. Uh, they had her mother's uh, homegoing service yesterday. She went on the glory this week, so pray for her and her family. Please remember Tim Workman as he gets stronger. Uh, they're giving some iron infusions, and he just needs continued prayer. One of our other families is facing a legal situation April the 10th. Remember that. And um, another one of our families, husband and wife, have COVID this morning, and they're asking for prayers. Uh, just wanted to stay uh, anonymous, but let's be praying for those. want to thank publicly John and Rick Lane for helping us out with our sewer situation. It is fixed. We have bathrooms. John and Rick spent quite a bit of time here helping us and uh, digging an empty hole uh, out front. Uh, we buried I can't out there. Remember, you, you, we, I can't's not in our vocabulary. We buried him. We can do all things through Christ, and they got that sewer done. Excuse me. And, uh, it was very neatly done. They got us a drawing. We have camera shots of any of our sewer lines. If you all would like to see those, I would be glad to share. No, I'm just joking. But it was very helpful, and we appreciate the, the diligence that they spent on that to get it done for us. And... Um, Took us about three weeks without bathrooms, but now you can use all of the restrooms downstairs and in the main lobby. You don't have to go out back uh, to the back. Um, we had an estimate of $5,700 to get that sewer line fixed. Thank the Lord that we only had to spend about $1,200 to get that sewer line fixed. Anybody want to give God some praise? I'm going to quote my good friend Noel in the back. He said, God will always give you his best for your budget. And that is for sure. Um, we will be, as the Lord leads you, and only as the Lord would lead you, uh, would you think about and pray about during the service laying a couple of green bucks on the uh, altar up here as he leads you. There is a police officer in Nitro whose wife had a baby prematurely, four months premature. The child, the baby is in uh, NICU, mom has been discharged and is going back and forth to the hospital, and he's had to take time off of work to stay with the other children and take care of some other duties, and he's been without pay. Some of the other police officers are sharing their vacation time with him. Um, but uh, could we help pay his electric bill uh, this month? Uh, he has a shut-off notice, and uh, I would like for Grace Life to be able to help with that this morning. So... Only as the Lord leads, not any other way. If you don't have anything to give and uh, don't feel guilty or anything about that, the Lord will only tell you what to give if you have extra to give, okay? And you just obey Him. Is that okay that we do that at Grace Life and help our community, those in need, as we find out about it, all right? Let's get into the Word this morning. Um, help us, Holy Ghost, amen? Last week, we talked about loving well in the means of handling our grief and how we can draw from the deep well of God's love. We went over to the woman at the well and had a play on words that that living water is a deep well of his love that he draws from to heal us in our grief and grief is a process. Don't let anybody bully you into a timeline 
of when you should be healed from your grief, okay? They, they kind of go hand in hand, but this morning the message title is Trauma Doesn't Define Me, His Love Does. Um, uh, yeah, trauma does not define me, His love does. So when we're loving well, uh, and I realize that I'm loved well, and so I'm not going to let trauma define me, so then I can learn to love you well so that I understand trauma doesn't define you and I don't see you after the flesh. In other words, your behavior may be a result of trauma that you've been through. You've not yet had that transformation of your mindset and your thinking, but in the process of drawing from his deep will, your mindset is changed and whether it does or not, I still going to love you well because I've been loved well. You ever heard the term a defining moment? A defining moment is a point in time in which a situation is clearly seen to start to change. A turning point. Some have called it a breakthrough moment. A landmark. Scripture calls it an Ebenezer. A testimony to the place and the time where God turned it around for you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? By his help, through his love for you, in a time of great trouble, he brought you out and he has delivered you. So, for instance, the children of Israel had a defining moment in Exodus, chapters 3 through verse 6. God told Moses to tell his people, I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt. I will bring you out from under the burden of Egypt. I will rescue you from bondage and I will redeem you. Do you see anything in that from the great love of God? His deep well of love. He says, I will, I will, I will, I will. Quit trying to do it on your own. He said, I will rescue you from your bondage. I will deliver you out of your affliction. Come on somebody. And I will redeem you. Everything about the cross is redemptive. It's with the grateful recognition of God's help that the Israelites then placed a memorial stone, a landmark, in the place where after two defeats at the hands of the Philistines, God brought victory. You have to study the scripture. You have to see from 1 Samuel 4 to 1 Samuel 7. They had been defeated twice by the Philistines. But God tells Samuel to take a rock, a stone, and place it in Sheen. And when he placed it in Sheen, the battle had not yet been won. But they already were going to celebrate a landmark that the victory would be won there. Some of us have gone through trial after trial because of the same decision. We rehash the story of our trauma and we've been defeated by the Philistines time and time again. But this morning I feel God. <laughs> it's time to place a memorial stone before the victory is even recognized in your life. Mark it as an Ebenezer that no longer is trauma a defining moment in my life, but the love of God is a defining moment in my life. Hmm. So my prayer for you today is that it will be a defining moment in your life. Today. Not tomorrow, but today you'll begin to see a clear change in the course of your life and the direction of your life, not being defined by your trauma any longer, but allowing God's love to define who you are, where you are, and where you're headed. Does that resonate with anyone? 
Help me, Jesus. Hey. Father, we're listening. Speak your words of love to us today. May we recognize that you will bring us out of our bondage. (laughs) The words that rang true then are still ringing true today. You are our deliverer. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Trauma is the Greek word for wound. If you will go to the Strong's Concordance, you can look it up in the lexicon, the Greek lexicon online. I use Bible Hub. But when you look this word wound up in the Greek, the Strong's will tell you that the word for wound is trauma. Anybody ever been wounded? (laughs) Traumatic events can leave psychological symptoms long after a physical wound has been healed. The psychological reaction to emotional trauma has an established name now, and it's called PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. But there's also such a thing in religious communities that we call post-traumatic religious stress disorder. I've got that. I had that. I don't have it anymore. I've been released from the stress of my religious bondage. Man, I put so much stress on myself because of religious rules and regulations and I had flashbacks and nightmares because of the religious uh, rules that were placed upon me that I, I was just spinning my wheels I couldn't get anywhere I know a lot of you are like that but when a person experiences a distressing event or a series of distressing events such as abuse a bad car wreck rape uh, or other sexual abuse and violence combat trauma, even natural disasters have caused people to have trauma. They experience loss of their home and loss of life or limb because of a natural disaster. This is the emotional response called trauma. That was not an exhaustive list. So wherever you are, whatever distressing event that you've experienced or are continuing to experience, the emotional response is called trauma And in the Greek, that's a wound. Stay with me. When we experience trauma, whether it's acute, that's one event, or chronic, that's series of events, or if it's complex, you had an event that was distressing that caused trauma, and you were continuing to have that that emotional response, or that trauma has caused other trauma and distressing events in your life because of the choices you've made based on your response emotionally to that situation. When we experience these things, emotions are affected and damaged. So if I would take Heather and I would bring Heather up here and I'm a neuroscientist and we did x-rays and she had a traumatic brain injury from a fall. So she fell and hit her head We did x-rays and we showed you the picture in her brain of that traumatic brain injury because of a fall. And then I brought Bonnie up here and Bonnie had sexual abuse as a child. That trauma would look no different on her brain scan than it would look on her brain scan. Am I right, Giles? So we've then experienced fear, anger, Abandonment, rejection, neglect, guilt, and shame. That guilt and shame is what religious communities have put on us most of the time. 
then we form belief systems that are based on the lies that we've believed. We regard ourselves and others as well as God incorrectly. Did you hear me? When we have trauma because of these emotional responses, then we begin to view ourselves, others, and even God incorrectly. Thus, our identity is distorted. We have churches full of orphans. The local church has become an orphanage for believers. And it's unfortunate because we're not orphans. We've not been left fatherless. We have a heavenly father. We've been grafted into the vine. He has made us his and he is ours. We do not have a distorted identity. Now, some just have not recognized that yet in the course of their journey. They've not come to or awakened to the fact that what Jesus did on the cross changed the whole course of history and they don't have to walk in that identity allowing trauma to define them anymore, that his love at the cross changed all of that for us. He gave us a display of his love. It was a tangible display of love that we are defined by now and not being defined by our trauma. We begin to form habit patterns. These are our responses when outside stimuli trigger a memory. They're habit patterns. Then, we become, then they become coping mechanisms. Then we strive to protect ourselves from repeated trauma. We overreact to triggers often leading us to become stuck in defeat. We have a world full and a church full of people stuck in defeat because they repeat the same patterns out of habits because of their mindset because they're being defined by trauma. When our hearts and minds become clouded with pain and disappointment, we don't walk in gratitude. We have built our truth around circumstances and those circumstances, whether they are real or not, have become reality in our hearts and in our minds. Listen to this. Watch the screen. Trauma events often become the defining moment in many people's lives. And some people are living out of that identity that's distorted since childhood. They're well into adulthood, and they're still dealing with that. So, to us, our truth is reality. I've been hurt. I've been wounded. Someone hurt me. Some organization did something to me. Some event happened. And here's the danger. If we don't get healing from that and change our defining moment to come from His love, then hurt people hurt people. But God's truth... His reality is this. Are you ready? Let's draw from his deep well for just a second. His deep well of love. He's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. He wants to help you discard the lies that you have believed. See, because those lies have become your truth and your reality when he, in fact, is our truth and our reality. He desires his truth to be established in you. Uh, this right here helped me a lot. He hurts because 
of what your hurt and wound is doing to you. You were his child. Lisa and I were talking last night, and we talked about our five children, that there is not anything that we wouldn't do within our means and possibly beyond our means to help our children in a situation. We love them so much. Even, listen, I have been in courtrooms with mothers whose children have done atrocities and those mothers will beg for mercy. Why? Because they love that child. They don't want to see that child go through hurt or pain even though they may be guilty of certain things. What makes us better than God? If you being evil want to give good gifts to your children, if you love your children, here's the word, how much more? How much more does your heavenly father from his deep well of love want to, you to know that he's not upset with you, that he desires for you to buy into his truth, have that truth established in your hearts? A physical wound that is present for more than six weeks is chronic and needs special attention. Most of us watching on the internet, sitting in this room, have issues that we've been dealing with for more than six weeks. Can I get a nod of a head? Six months. Six years. Sixty years. A normal response of hurt in two ways is either to run from it, and I told someone recently that when we run from it and the problem's between our ears, everywhere we get, the problem's still there. <laughs> we can't run from it. Somebody just raised their hand back there to testify, amen. Or we bury it. We try to suppress it. We push it down. We try to hide that hurt. All that is is making you a volcano that will eventually erupt. Hurts become hang-ups. Hang-ups become habits. Can I get a witness? Habits can be broken in Jesus' name. <laughs> well, our goal, our intention, our hope is that we might help you to dig out of that old defining moment that you're hanging on to and find strength to draw from his deep well and have a new defining moment that will help you engage in his plan and interact with his family. You get that? As we draw from his deep well of love, then we can engage in his plan that he has for us and interact with God's family. Because a lot of people don't interact with God's family because they're still dealing with trauma. So let's look at a few things. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Holy Ghost, hold on. No, go to Luke, the 10th chapter. This isn't going to be on the string. The Holy Spirit just said, stop, don't go there. So we're going to Luke, the 10th chapter. This is something brand new. Luke 10, if you'll go down to about verse 30. I thought I had it marked, but I had something else marked. John 10, is this okay? I mean, it's going to be good. Uh, it will help me. Verse 30. Now, this is a parable that Jesus tells. Um... If you look at the in context the scriptures above it, you're going to find that a lawyer, uh, a teacher of the law, someone who was an, an, an expert in the law of Moses, 
comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There was one other scripture that talks about a, a rich young ruler. This particular scripture is talking about a lawyer comes and says, what must I do to inherit uh, eternal life? Now his context, the only context that he has is the law. And Jesus asked him a question and he answers within the law and he says, uh, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Second one, liken unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you've done well. And then he says to Jesus, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells a story of a man who experienced horrendous trauma. The Holy Spirit sparked this parable in my heart this morning. I was digging through trying to find someone that would give us an example of trauma and how Jesus, because we want to find Jesus, right? We want to put, paint a great picture, a beautiful picture of this beautiful Jesus that in every situation of life, he stepped into the middle of our chaos and he brought order to our chaos. He's brought uh, clarity to our confusion. He's brought healing to our hurts. And I wanted specifically, where was some, where's a story that someone experienced trauma, abuse? It says in verse 30, certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers, among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, so he's naked. There's humiliation. He's wounded. It says they beat him. They departed from him and left him half dead. Here's the J.R.W. hillbilly vernacular for that one. Anybody ever experienced any trauma that you thought you were going to die from? I see hands back there. You had a distressing experience in your life that caused an emotional experience. Maybe it left you humi humiliated. Where you felt naked and ashamed. Maybe it was a situation where there were physical wounds because somebody beat you. Whether it was in your childhood or your spouse but you experience physical wounds. Any of us in any situation, if we've lived long enough, probably felt like, I'm going to die. This, this situation emotionally, financially, physically, emo I'm just spent. And, I'm, I, and some of you have even been, some of us, I'll raise my hand to testify, that some of us have even been pushed that these experiences led us to suicidal thoughts. And maybe you've even attempted to take your own life. This man experienced trauma. He's left on the side of the road. He's naked. He's beaten. He's bleeding. And he's left for dead. I think that we could probably... Yeah, we could relate to that in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Verse 31 I don't like this translation, but it is what it says. Then by chance. <laughs> well, maybe the first two happened to be by chance. A certain priest came down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Anybody ever had a religious leader pass you by, look over you, not pay attention to you? Someone burying their head in their hands. Lord, help that not to be us. Then another man, a Levite, Having arrived at the place, having seen him pass by on the opposite side. 
first guy passes by, this Levite is so special, he decides to come clear over to the other side of the road and not pay attention to it and ignore it. I know there have been people in your life and my life that we thought God would use to help heal us from our trauma, but they only made it worse. Good people probably had good intentions, but they put rules on you instead of having a relationship with you, and when they put those rules on you, it dug a deeper hole for you. It's been hard to climb out of for years. But I like verse 32, or verse 33. But... Somebody say, but a certain Samaritan traveling came upon him. He saw him. He was moved with compassion. Underline two words there, Saul and compassion. Saul. Lord, open our eyes to those that are around us that are experiencing trauma. Can, you pray, can we just pray that prayer right now that as we walk up and down the streets, as we go to work, as we get on the bus, as we visit family members, that we will have eyes to see not just the circumstance but the hurt that people are experiencing. Sometimes those hurts come out in cries of abuse, substance abuse, drug and alcohol abuse, spousal abuse, violent outbursts. Those could just be cries for help. But all, all we're going to do is pay attention to the surface and the circumstances and the behavior. If we're not careful, we will become judgmental and we'll begin to try to pick the speck out of their eye when we've got a telephone pole sticking out of our own. What a tremendous teaching Paul White gave on that. See, the telephone pole, light is uh, refracted from your eyes. If you don't have light coming into your eye, you don't see clearly. So if I have a telephone pole in my eye, it's not receiving the light that helps me to see. Oh. So I got to get this telephone pole out of my eye so that the light is entering in my eye so I can really see the situation for what it is. And if... I see it for the way it is, then it says he was moved with compassion. Compassion is a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress combined with a desire, an urgent desire to alleviate that distress. When Jesus was moved with compassion, he sympathized with what was going on in that individual's life, but it didn't stop there. He had an urgent desire to alleviate them from... Can I tell you something this morning? Jesus sees you. <laughs> Jesus sees you in the situation that you are in. He sees exactly what you're going through, the hurt, the pain, the grief, the loss, the abuse. He's not blinded to it. And people would say, well, why doesn't he stop it? I can't answer that. I don't know other than he gave people a free will and some people make dumb decisions and in their dumb decisions they hurt other people. But I can tell you that he was there and if you were weeping in that situation, I believe that he's standing right there trying to hold you up in that situation and he is weeping for you and with you in that situation. Because he sees you, but he not only sees you, he has compassion on you which means he sympathizes with what's going on, but he also has a desire to help alleviate you from that distress. It was out of an act of compassion that he delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of their affliction. He brought them out of their bondage. He redeemed them from their burden. 
I love Lamentations 3.22. It says, your compassions, they fail not. We used it last week, but I think it's true in this message today. Your compassions, they fail not. We learn from Jesus that he extends compassion when there are wounds. When there is hurt. Verse 34. Hope this is helping someone. After having gone over to him, he bound up his wounds. He bandaged his wounds. This, this is a process. This man has open wounds because of the beating that he received. And so the good Samaritan goes over and he, banded, he binds up those wounds so that those wounds will heal, heal properly. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to mend the brokenhearted. In other words, to bind up the wounds who, of those whose hearts have been broken. The emotional response to the distressing events that we've been through that have caused trauma, i.e. in the Greek, wounds. You may not have open sores on your physical body, but I know you have open wounds within your spirit within, or within your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And he came to bind up. And then he begins to pour in the oil and the wine. Can I tell you what that symbolizes in the scripture? The oil and the wine are the Holy Ghost. He wants to pour in the Holy Ghost to those wounds. It's only by the Holy Ghost and the revelation of the Holy Spirit within us that he goes deep. See, we're look, a lot of people are looking for a deep word. They run from conference to conference, from church to church, looking for a prophecy. And I'm not saying that that's wrong at all. Please don't get me wrong. I believe in those types of things. But when all I'm doing is seeking a deep word instead of allowing the word to go deep, See, he wants the word, God, by the Holy Spirit to go deep because in those deep crevices of our hurts and our wounds, the Holy Spirit, his oil and wine will begin to heal us. Wine is intoxicating, folks. Not just in the natural, but the wine of the Holy Ghost is intoxicating. And listen. When we get intoxicated physically, sometimes we do it to try to get away from the pain. We try to escape into a reality or that's not really a reality. But see, the Holy Ghost will do that when you get drunk on the wine of the Spirit. And see, that pain begins. Uh, this is just fresh coming to me. This is good stuff. I'm getting help, and I got toes that are tingling right now. And if I had any hair on my head, it probably would be standing up. <laughs> But we need the intoxicating wine of the Spirit to help. It's medicinal. It will help us. Then the oil cleanses and softens those wounds, the blows that have been so harsh to us. The oil of the Holy Ghost will begin to soften those blows and heal those wounds for us. So he went to him. I believe that this good Samaritan is a picture of Jesus. Because he's the one that bandages our wounds. He's the one that pours the wine and the oil of the Holy Ghost into us. He carries him to an inn. This inn is a healing station. I believe it represents the local church. God wants to bring you into a local church. And where he, you will find out that he has already paid for your care. And there have been gifts released into the body 
that through those gifts that he has given to other people, you can begin to be healed from your wounds and your trauma. Let me tell you something. Isolation will only continue your distress. I'm not talking about not getting alone in solitude and prayer. That's not isolation. That's just getting away from the noise. But I'm talking about purposefully isolating yourself from other people. See, because of trauma, a lot of people will avoid certain places. And a lot of times that's the church. They will avoid it because the trauma came from the church or someone that was in the church or the leader that was in the church, so they avoid the church. Some people, sometimes the trauma has been so great that they will avoid, uh, I'm just going to use this as an example, uh, a minister, a pastor, a reverent, uh, molested or hurt an individual. Now all pastors all religious leaders, all those in authority in the church are avoided by certain individuals because they can't ex- separate that from the position. But see, the Holy Spirit, Jesus has put, He's carried you. He's brought you to a healing station. One of the things that we like to say about Grace Life is we want to be a hospital for hurting humanity. You know, sometimes people just come to the emergency room. It's hard for me as a pastor because I want to see people stay. But sometimes God uses this place as an emergency room and they come in, they get something that's fresh, they get their, the oil and the wine poured in because that's all we want to serve is the Holy Ghost. You know, Jesus, here's some wine and some bread, here's some oil to soothe your... And they, they leave healed to go on in their journey. Some come and they just need surgery. You know, the Holy Spirit will use you maybe and, and there's a word that's given and a song that sung that Pastor Frank had a leading for and then God begins to perform surgery and cut out cancers and cut out things that are causing problems in people's lives and then because of that they get healed. This is a healing station. The local church should be a healing station for people. And in that healing station, the price has already been bought and paid for your healing because by His stripes... By his wounds. Listen, quit walking in the light of your wounds. Walk in the light of his wounds. As long as I'm going to walk in the light of my wounds, I'm going to have misery and despair and agony. And if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all if you ever watched the... What was that show? Hee Haw. Hee Haw. Don't call me lucky, call me blessed. (laughs) But we need to walk in the light of his wounds. If you want to write anything down today, if you want to share anything with anybody else this week, listen, God wants to heal you from the hell you're living in. So many people caught up about hell after death. We can have that discussion some other time, but let's have a discussion right now that I see people living hell on earth almost every day. God wants to heal you out of the hell that you're living in. He paid the cost for your care. Trauma doesn't define you. Define you. His love does that. Can I just ask Jennifer just to come and play? We're not going to sing anything. We're just going to play this morning if you just allow us to do that. Mm, Help us, Holy Ghost. Can you just begin to pray? Pray in the Spirit right now. Pray with understanding. Let's just see the beauty of this moment, what the Holy Spirit wants to do to heal broken hearts. The crushed in spirit. How he wants to bind up your wounds today. Listen, no matter how shattered you are on the inside, 
or how much trauma you've been through, God loves you. God loves you. He knows the very best about you. He knows the very worst about you. And he loves you. Jesus is here today. Come on, would you just pray? Come on, I'm up some people to pray in the spirit right now. Pray with understanding. Let's just. He's present. He wants to stop the bleeding today bleeding of the wounds that you've experienced and have had for years the trauma wound Mm. so just a moment I'm going to ask some questions and and we're going to pray some prayers but we mentioned it in the service here but I really want to be intentional about this one have you ever experienced or are you experiencing suicidal thoughts if that's you I know it takes courage but I need you to understand I think there is something significant about getting up out of your chair and taking a few steps to an altar as an act of faith because there's healing here. There's others of us who have already been to those places and God brought us out and He has healed us. And out of those victories in our lives, we want to lay hands on you and pray with you this morning. So would you take that step? Would you just have some courage this morning and say, I've been dealing with suicidal thoughts. I need help. I want prayer. Would you come to the altar right now? Just kneel at the altar. I'm going to have other people join you this morning. Are you experiencing Right now, emotional trauma. Are, are you in distress because of something that's been going on, your, on your, in your life that recently has been affecting you emotionally and maybe even having some mental health issues? Come on, I'm just going to do what I prayed around this sanctuary this morning. Just stand to your feet all over the place. The Lord had me praying in the dark this morning about 5.45, 6 o'clock in this sanctuary. And when I was walking up and down these aisles, I knew where some of you sat. Oh, Jesus. And he began to talk to me about you. He just began to say, he's doing some things. I just prayed. I prayed in the spirit for you. And I want you to know that he loves you. He's not upset with you. And he desires, he has an urgent desire to alleviate the pain in your life. Anybody having flashbacks or nightmares because of paranoia, because of a situation of trauma that you're kind of always looking over your shoulder because you don't want that trauma to be repeated? If you'll meet me at this altar, I want to pray with you this morning. Have you allowed a trauma experience to define you? Has it dominated your thought life? Has it dominated your decisions? Come on, come on and put a memorial stone up here today, an Ebenezer. You say, well, Pastor, the 
The victory hasn't been, well, the victory was won over 2,000 years ago at the cross. But this needs to be a turning point for you today. This, means, this needs to be a defining moment in your life that out of the love of God, His deep well, you're going to receive healing. Maybe the Holy Spirit has healed you, delivered you, and He might lead you to someone else to lay your hands on and pray for them. Give them an encouraging word today. Would you just begin to flow and operate in the gifts? Father, in Jesus' name, release, release your people, your children, to operate in the giftedness that you've given to them. Body ministry, healing people, healing others. you're just waiting on him to speak to you just lift your hands and worship just begin to worship the Lord all over the building as he speaks to you Lord give us ears to hear eyes to see this morning sometimes there are physical symptoms that have manifested in our body because of the emotional trauma if you're having physical symptoms you want prayer for healing this morning. Come and let us anoint you with oil. We'll pray for you believing today that by His stripes you are whole. Mental health issues that have risen up in your life and manifested because of past distressing events. We believe even at home this morning that God is touching you there. And He is coming right into that room with a tangible presence and he's taking care of your need he's healing you today would you just in your mind would you begin to imagine I just saw this picture in my mind as I'm saying that's why I'm asking you to imagine it there's just a huge big ladle and you are dipping down into the well of his great love and drawing out of that well this morning and man I'm seeing this right now as I dip down into that well on a hot day I'm just pouring that cool water over me right now even taking a little sip of that living water that deep well and there's healing that's flowing out of that could you imagine that in your mind's eye right now Ryan and Carol, I was praying right there this morning where you guys normally sit. The Lord showed me a donkey and all of these packs on the donkey's back, just big old packages on the donkey's back. And as I saw that and saw you guys sitting there and I saw the donkey go right out that door right there and just walk away. And the further that he walked away, the lighter your expressions on your face and all I could know was, what to tell you was that the Holy Spirit was saying that He's taking all those burdens and those packages, those hev that heaviness that's been on you, and He's He's taking it away. He's removing it from you. Um, this is what I saw. I needed to share that with you this morning. Would you praise God for that as He spoke to Ryan and care about that? Come on, clap your hands and give God some praise for that. Bless the Lord. 
Now maybe the Lord will lead some of you to go back there and hug their necks and love on them for a few minutes. Rejoice with those that are rejoicing as the burdens are removed. I don't know what the situation is, but the Holy Spirit is saying seven years. It's, if you've been dealing with something for seven years, I, I don't know what that situation is. He just keeps ringing. Someone's dealing with something that's been going on for seven years. If that's you, I believe that he's telling us that because eight is a new beginning. It's a defining moment. It's that turnaround point. That's that breakthrough. So I don't know if that's someone. That's the truth. Praise God. Wow. Eight years. Eight years my baby's been gone. And I, everything. The agony of this pain in your mind. You tell me I didn't want to kill myself. Yes, I wanted to kill myself. My baby wasn't here. But everybody here loved me. Everybody was praying for me. All of my other church family friends. You think I could live through that? I didn't think I could live through that. But I did, and I'm standing here. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. You can do it through Christ. And I tell you what, if I wouldn't have had this man right here and this woman right here, Praying and loving on us every day. John knows. John knows. It broke my heart. I've been through hell and back. Y'all have no clue. Some of you. A foster kid. Sexually abused. Physically many abused all my life. And then I get saved. And I'm youth ministry. I'm preaching at different places all growing up with my kids and then you take my baby away from me you think I didn't want to die no there's something inside we're all born with something to want to worship and praise him and he has continued to keep me I don't know how sometimes I don't know how but I'm here I'm here Thank you, Jesus. I mean, thank you for that one little drop of blood that you saved me. And for me to be able, I'm shaking. I don't do this very often. But let me tell you, I'm going to see her again someday. And I see her now more than I ever have. I do. Wow. Fire. Mm. Wow. Mm. Some of you couldn't see it, but her arm was full of cold chills and the hair was standing up on her arm the whole time. She was just flowing. God was all over her, and I think that helps some of you to see a real-life testimony of what God can do for you. Mm. Hallelujah. Every heart clear. 
Amen. You clear, Boone? Oh, yes. Yes. So with that, Susan brought up, um, well, when you were having the men's breakfast and everything, and we, we used to have ladies and then, you know, COVID and things like that. And so she brought it to my attention that some ladies had come to her and then some have come to you and because you know I can't do it <laughs> you all know me I mean there are gifts here and this is a body ministry so what we want is for the ladies to gather if that's what you want to do and I want that from my heart and so if any woman who wants to commit to help us just organize and get things together for like a quarterly time and she had a date of May 6th so if there's any woman here that would be interested in helping you don't have to I mean if you teach or if you have a creative idea um, just to help us organize it and put it together and then we can it's just it's just easier when there's more than one person trying to head it all up so if ladies would like to stay after to help us a little bit to, to talk about it and also on my heart um, you know trauma and I know it's a world event, but pray for Turkey and Syria. You know, there is like 25,000 people that are dead and um, have lost their lives. And so don't think there's not going to be trauma with those families and still going on. And, you know, we always like to deal with our house here and with your home. And so just, just pray and imagine in your mind, give them wisdom, give medical help. I mean, just pray for them over there. Don't forget, as the Lord has led you, you can place some green on the altar if I can meet.